Welcome back to Rumor Flies, everybody. I am Ryan. And I'm Josh. And as always, we got our buddy Greg here with In-Depth Media. Hello. And today we got a really interesting subject. I hope you liked last week. It was kind of fun. But before we do that, we're going to go ahead and do our daily plugs for the Dark Myths Collective, which we are, once again, now a part of. Check out darkmyths.org. And we just kind of want to wet your whistle for some of the podcasts that are on there. Uh, The one I got today is called Inward Empire. Not to be confused with Inland Empire. So, which only one person confuses. Yes. Which, which Ryan is the only one who's, who has trouble with that. So uh, Sam Davis runs Inward Empire, and it's a, little, it's a new podcast just like ours that looks into American history, but from an ideological and belief perspective. Not only that, but it has a big part into it, like how a lot of things went about because of the mindset that people were in during that time. And it's really an interesting take on it. It's nothing that I've really read about in any history classes or anything like that. And I'm sure if you want a definite alternative take, alternative take but also true, on American history, go check it out. So that's Inward Empire. Now, if you want an alternative take on history, uh, what I'm going to be talking about is Twilight Histories. Now, this is a really, really unique podcast that I've never experienced anything like it before. Run by our Dark Myths Overlord. Yeah. Um, and the, the point of Twilight Histories is the, the aim of it is to blend Dan Carlin's hardcore history and the creepiness of the Twilight Zone. And it's really, really interesting. It's something that I was... Curious about the checkout, and now that I've checked it out, I'm like hooked. It is so all of us, yeah, all three good. of us have listened to it, <laughs> and we are just like plowing through it and just comparing notes about it. It is awesome. Interestingly enough, I think we all talked about this. This is the first time that I've seen a show format where it is in second person, oh, yeah, yeah. and it has not come off as cheesy at all or no. unbelievable. Yeah, like it's really you think it's very risky to like kind of assume what people would do, but this does it very well. I I very and much like the format. Voice, oh my god. Well, everything if you love the, the production of it, male, the, I mean everything is just his great. His voice is so perfect for radio. <laughs> so yeah, go check out Twilight <laughs> Histories if that's something you're into. I mean, it is really really cool, and I suggest everyone go check it out. So. Yeah, that's our, that's our plugs for this week. Them's the plugs. So our episode today is going to be on drugs and especially and particularly psychedelics. Now, got to do this caveat real quick. We are going to be covering a lot of things about a lot of drugs, but we do not condone, condone there we go. any partaking in any illicit drugs unless you are prescribed them. But they wouldn't be prescribed wouldn't if they were illicit. illicit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, depending <laughs> on say. where you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't break the law. Yeah. yeah. So listen to us. Don't do anything that we are going to try not to suggest. This so is jackass of podcasts. Yeah. The, this, this is where we kind of get into like <laughs> hazy territory because we're not condoning drug use. We're not for it or anything like that. We're just simply stating the facts here. Did we mention it's an educational show for adults? Yeah. <laughs> So. so anyway, we can jump into it, and Josh is going to take the reins first. Yep, yep. All right. So today I'm going to talk about overdosing on the marijuanas. Uh, as many of you know, uh, marijuana is a drug that you smoke or eat, depending on how you like to ingest it. But I wanted to talk about uh, the there's the common misconception, or not misconception, but there's the common belief that um, when it comes to marijuana, you cannot overdose on it. And that is actually true. So the thing about it is I looked into it and I actually took this quote from uh, from a court case, actually, where they went into it and talked about marijuana use. 
And the quote is, <clears throat> excuse me, the LD50 rate is around tw- one per 20,000 or one per 40,000. So what that basically means that in order to induce death, a marijuana smoker would have to consume over 20,000 to 40,000 uh, as much marijuana as they would uh, a regular cigarette. Man, that's the first I've heard of the term induced death. Yeah, that's what it says. Um, How many marijuanas is that? Three marijuanas. Three whole marijuanas. So basically, uh, a regular marijuana cigarette has 0.9 grams in it. So that would mean that you would have to smoke approximately um, 1,500 pounds of marijuana in about 15 minutes to get a lethal dose. So just 100 per minute? Uh, Only. Basically, yeah. That's not bad. Uh, yeah, if, uh, if that's what you're into. I mean, for some people, why not like a Gatling gun? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can't die from overdosing on marijuana because I don't want to say it's physically impossible because I'm sure there's a way to do it, but it's damn near impossible. Please don't test it. Yeah, no, please don't test that. So while nobody has actually died from ODing on uh, marijuanas, there it has played a big factor into people dying, but mostly through edibles. So it seems that. Smoking it has less harm than eating it, from what I understand, as far as your mind goes. It's more of a concentration issue. Yeah, that's that's what I took from it. And there's one case where a guy took a cookie uh, that he was only supposed to eat a part of, and he ate the whole thing, and then he lost his mind, and then he jumped off his hotel balcony. And then there was a woman who was shot by her husband who ate some kind of marijuana edible. And she called the police because he was telling her to get get the gun and he was acting all weird. So she called the police and then he shot her. Damn. And these are actual like police reports, right? Yeah. These are like you can check the show notes. There's actually um, references that that talk about this. So, yeah, marijuana's it's hard to uh, OD on them, but don't eat them because you hurt other people and yourself. I guess it's a death on technicality, but we're really focusing on is can you overdose? And so far, nobody has been that much of a champ that they've been able to pound down 1500 joints in, you know, 15 minutes. Right. But what I did want to stipulate was that there is a difference the way it reacts with your body between smoking and eating. But you probably shouldn't do the one because most places it's illegal. So exactly. There you go. Dems the laws. Dems laws. That uh, that about covers it all for me. For all the facts you need, our only source was Reefer Madness. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about that, yeah, to a certain extent. So Ryan, what you got now? So we're gonna talk about the concept that the weed today is not your grandpa's weed. Okay. It's a common term that I've heard before, at least, or maybe I'm just hanging around with the wrong people. I was gonna say you might want to check your crowd, Ryan. You know what? I googled not your grandpa's weed, and it came up. So really, yes, That's interesting. Okay. And we have our fact checker, Greg, that can Google it, too, if he really wants to. (laughs) So the idea is that marijuana has become much, much stronger over the years. Like from around the time of Woodstock to now, marijuana has become like this super drug. And anybody that smoked it way back in the day when they had a better tolerance and everything and smoke it now, when admittedly they may not have as good of a tolerance, they are floored by it and say, this is the best stuff ever, or, oh my God, what is going on right now? I can't feel my hands. So, stuff like that. Well, there's that famous Louis C.K. bit where he talks about, like, back in the day, you know, you used to just, you had a joint, you would just puff on a joint, and it was no big thing. And he's like, now when you smoke smoke a joint, like, one puff, and it's an experience. Yeah, I feel like, it, like back then... <laughs> it has a lot of results. It's an ordeal. <laughs> back then, I feel like a joint was kind of like the alternative cigarette. Like, it just gave you a different type of feel. Yeah, that that like, that's what I took away from it. That it wasn't anything that was, you know, make you trip balls or anything like that. But nowadays, it's, uh, it's some pretty potent stuff. 
Which I guess is because people want more bang for their buck now, I guess. Yeah. Supply well, and demand. It turns out it's true for a couple of different reasons. We're going to go ahead and go into the nitty gritty of it. So the main component, the psychoactive component of marijuana is THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol. And the National Drug Abuse, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, I'm sorry, did some research between 1975 to 2003 testing the average THC content in marijuana that they got samples of. And just looking at the numbers here, 1975, the average THC content of any sample of marijuana was about 0.74% by weight. Okay. All right. 2003, Mm. I'm just going to go ahead and jump right to the last year. 6.4%. 6.4%. Jesus. Yes. So that's like nine times as powerful. Yeah. It's wow. ridiculous. It That is substantial. Yes. That's almost, <laughs> I mean, like imagine, let's see, take one shot of whiskey, a whiskey right now. And take nine shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if alcohol just got stronger as people made it afterwards. You know, like the same Jack Daniels just got to be a stronger bottle. That'd be problems. Yeah, exactly. It'd be great problems. Not they're already problems. having problems or anything like that. <laughs> so the Hennepin County attorney, Mike Freeman, quote says, um, this is not your grandfather's part, pot that he had in the 60s. This stuff is really strong. It's bad news bears. Yeah. Dim's bad news According bears. According to a Fox 9 news report. <laughs> so <laughs> the deal is it's this bad is- news bears. This is 1975 I'm talking about, too. That's when the study started. This isn't even during the heyday of Woodstock and stuff when that was running rampant. Yeah, really big. That was the Reefer Madness time, too, which, if anybody doesn't know, was a documentary. It was a propaganda documentary put out that was to scare people away from marijuana. And maybe back then it was scary. Today, it is pretty hilarious. It's it's totally worth watching. Yeah. (laughs) I have not seen it. I will be sure to check it out. It's good. (laughs) It's so funny. And even today, some samples of marijuana, these are obviously some of the outliers in the bell curve if you look at the averages. Some, this is so hard to believe for me, but this is what the numbers said on the website that I was looking at, which actually was from the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Some of the samples registered at 30% by weight of THC. 30%? 30. Just under a third. Is that Snoop Dogg? No, it might be his. <laughs> Jeez, it's like ridiculous. Did you know Snoop Dogg actually bought weed from uh, Cameron Diaz in high school? No. Uh, that's yep. hilarious. <clears throat> I figured it would have been the other way around. So would I. But Interesting. Nope. Yep. They huh. were the same high school. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That's weird. So, although THC has gotten stronger in content over the years, there's been some other effects too. CBD, which is uh, cannabidiol, has decreased over time. Now, Cameron Diaz admits buying weed from Snoop Dogg. Oh, it was all the way around. Oh, you were wrong. Son of a bitch. John Lopez tonight. Oh, there's a great George now Lopez. Now nobody has to write to us anymore about that. Uh, they're gonna, no, they're going to write to us about using Snoop, George Lopez video, as a reference. In case y'all are interested, I might, if I remember to, I'll add to the show notes. There's a video of Snoop Dogg reacting on Lopez tonight later. To Cameron Diaz saying she bought Weaver. Okay. <laughs> now, do do we want to have anything referencing George Lopez that pertains to our show? Fair enough. That's a moral question. Fair I vote no. Sponsors. But <laughs> I don't know if I'd take that. <laughs> All right. So, cannabidiol. Yes. It is the other, I guess you would consider to be psychoactive compound in marijuana, or actually medicinal compound. It doesn't exactly get you high. This isn't THC. Okay. This is the interesting thing that has led to the medical marijuana craze. 
Because oh. a lot of people believe that cannabidiol can be used to treat schizophrenia, epilepsy, Huntington's disease, and Alzheimer's. Huntington's Which, disease, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Good yeah, job. it's pretty crazy. So if that works, then that's great. But they can actually just breed certain strands of weed that would produce more cannabidiol than uh, THC. Uh, that's what I was going to say, yeah. Right. And, you I know, like I said, that's a big reason why I would say THC content has skyrocketed over the years is because of selective breeding. You know, it became like a big thing. You know, home brewing's big now. I mean, pot growing's been big for a while now. And people just take the best strands, just start putting them together and crossbreeding them, and you get stronger and stronger ones over time. So that would explain it. There's so many Pineapple Express references I could have right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we should have watched that before this. I know. That should have been our only research for this entire episode. <laughs> James Franco and How Seth How did Rogen. we not check out the myth of the, the uh, tr- Trinity? What do you call it? The, the Trinity? Is that we called it? The the, 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 the cross? The cross book. What, what was it called? Ah, uh, oh, damn. You're it. the one with the laptop. Yeah. Shut up. Uh, by the way, you can you can do that. Not but that I know. Even, but is it even more intense? Oh, I mean, I mean, let's look at it this way. The more of something you can ingest at once, the more potent it's going to be. So I'm assume so. Well, I don't know if it necessarily be more because look at it this way. Is that the, I don't know. Say like you have a three hold straw. In water, you're still going to get the same amount coming in. It's just going to come back at like a slower flow rate. Uh, yeah, but I'm talking about like it's as if you had a. It all depends on what you're pulling through with your lungs. Yeah, but if you're adding more pot to it, I guess then that would cause more of a reaction. All right, we're right? going to write in about this. I know. I know. I'm, I'm. We're just getting sidetracked for right now. I know. God Continue with this. <laughs> the other thing that has increased over the years, though has been contaminants. So a lot of the studies done on marijuana have found a lot of fungi. That's the plural of fungus for anybody that wants to know. Or oh, Uncle Rusty. That's not the people that smokes it. They're not fungi. No, there are a lot of fungi involved in the marijuana industry. But to top that, illegal pesticides. So marijuana obviously isn't something that has a mass regulation on it at the moment. Well, it does, but the people that are growing it have gotten past that regulation and can do, you know, whatever the f*** they want. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> so they can get the really good stuff, the really good pesticides to put on there that kill off everything that increases their grow and cross no bugs joint. will ever touch them. So. It's, it's called a cross, cross joint? joint? Cross joint. Oh. I thought it had a better name. I thought, I thought it was like the we crucifix. We came up like or? three better names than that already. Yeah. I, thought, I don't know. Get on it, Judd Apatow. Can you call James Franco for me real quick? I got this. So I guess to wrap that up, so... Higher THC over the years, less cannabidiol, unless you're doing it for a specific reason, and more fungi and pesticides. So watch out what you smoke. Oh, and actually, something that I wanted to get onto real quick. I'm sorry, I said it was the end, but I want to jump onto this for the whole overdosing thing. This is a big myth that I hear from so many people, and it is absolutely not true. A lot of people say... <laughs> not true! Not true! Okay. That's how into it I am. So a lot of people say that you cannot get lung (laughs) (laughs) You can't get lung cancer from smoking marijuana. People say that? Oh, a lot of people say that. Are they high? (laughs) (laughs) Oh you. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna go into two things real quick. I'm gonna go into the just plain reasoning side real quick that would make more sense on the surface, but ultimately doesn't. And then I'm going to go into the actual science of it. Okay. So the first reasoning is that a lot of people say that weed is better for you than cigarettes. How many people do you see actually put a cigarette filter on a joint of weed? None. Exactly. 
A filter's there for a reason. It's to cut the harshness, and you do collect tar in the filter. Like, if somebody smokes a cigarette and they turn it around, you'll see that little, like, yellow grating in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Unless it's a lucky strike. People do, Exactly. But people don't have that for weed. If they have joints, usually it's, like, a little piece of cardboard in the tip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they call a filter, but, that's but really more, it's just But that's more to hold it in place than anything. Exactly. Not that I know personally. So, you're getting, like... The complete unfiltered, like, whammy all at once. Wham! Exactly. So, that's the one thing. And number two, there's a whole study that says filters on cigarettes don't really do much. But at least it's catching something in there, right? You see that? Getting yeah. Caught? I think so. Secondly, we're going to go into why it actually is not better for you than, let's see, cigarettes, smoked foods, barbecued foods, cocaine. broiled foods. Crack cocaine. Uh, wood fires, heroin, (laughs) barbecue shrimp. (laughs) There is something called PAHs. (laughs) Tuna Diane ice cream. There is something called PAHs, which are known as polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. And And, what these are... Okay, that was my next question. I can get into it. I, I, I really want to get into this too because I used to work with these. I used to test for them and... They're in a lot of things. I'm, I'm just going to get a picture of Uncle Rusty and like hang him in the recording studio and just point to him when I don't know what the f*** you're talking about. <laughs> now, Uncle Rusty, I'm going to tell you about something called PAHs. So, PAHs. What these are, they are the byproduct of any partially combusted organic compounds, being anything like wood, uh, people. I don't know why I jumped to that second. <laughs> I'm just going to say that's a big leap wood, right there, bud. meats charred things, anything that ends up burning and leaving ash. How do you end up on people after wood? Because I was... Coal? Like, we just did the death episode, and I was thinking of, like, <laughs> the people being, like, sent down the Delhi River. You know, oh, no, it's not even the Delhi River. I was going to say, it's not the Delhi River. It's the river. I don't know, but it's not the Delhi River. That river in New Delhi where they burn people on the river. Uh, I don't know the name oh of it. Oh, my God, this is getting so bad. <laughs> getting back into it. <laughs> Is the result of burning the Ganges? I almost said that. I almost said the Ganges. I thought that's what it was. Ganges, yeah. Okay. Ganges, sorry. All right. Mm -mm, Ganges. Like it better. Ganges River. So, PHs contribute to uh, their carcinogenic compounds, which means they can cause cells to mutate and become tumors or cancerous. It's not a tumor. Yes. So, with that logic right there, if you burn something that's organic, which happens to be tobacco, and also happens to be marijuana. Both of them will release PAHs. Now, which one are released is a bit different between the two, but both of them have had mutagenic properties in the cells that they've been exposed to. So they both can cause tumors. So yes, you can't exactly overdose on weed instantly, but in the long run, you can overdose on a nice, healthy dose of cancer. So Yeah, but you mean you could... I mean, you could say that with cigarettes as well. I yeah, mean, no, exactly. But that's the thing. A lot of people say that weed is better than cigarettes because cigarettes cause cancer and weed doesn't. I guess it's it, it's because you get that misconception that people who have cancer smoke weed and it helps them. But I think in reality, all it does is just kind of take them out of it and not feel anything. It's more of, eh, is this really going to beat me to the punch? Right. I mean, that, that's what I always took away from it. But that's that's a good point. That's a good caveat to have. Yeah. So enough of my rambling. OK, Josh. so now we're going to get into ecstasy. And uh, now I'm going to be talking about ecstasy, but I'm going to be talking about it as MDMA. Which, it's the same thing. MDMA is methylene dioxymethamphetamine. Yay! I know. Look at me saying big words. Uh, but that MDMA and ecstasy, it's the same thing. Uh, they, they both mean... One's just like the street name and one's the scientific name. But 
it's easier for me to say MDMA. So anyway, Molly. Well, I could say Molly, but MDMA. Uh, there's the big misconception that MDMA puts holes in your brain, which is not true. Now the big. Now you mentioned earlier, Ryan, about um, the that. Um, you know, anti-smoking band that they had before. And it, this actually comes from a lot with, with MDMA as well. Oprah and MTV, actually, both. Now, we're not going to have them as sponsors after me saying this. I hope you're cool with it. Okay. But both Oprah and MTV both ran segments stating how uh, MDMA puts holes in your brain. And they actually went as far as to show two brains, one of someone who took MDMA and one who didn't, and the one who did, you could see their brain was all deformed. They had like holes in it and stuff like that and all kinds of other crazy shit. Now, much like, you know, here's my little rant. Much like the world today where it's better to be first than it is to be right. That was complete bullshit. Well, I mean, I have no tears lost over Oprah. Because oh, no, no, no. She's the one that enabled that son of a bitch, Dr. Oz, to get on the TV. Well, so. that, <laughs> I know we've called out Dr. Oz before, so I'll save you the oh, mm. I'll save you that. But yeah, I'll. That's for another another time in another place. But basically what it was, the, what they ended up showing them was two brains. But the thing was that the one that held all these holes with these air quotes that are coming through the microphone right now, these holes that were in the brain was actually just blood flow patterns. And the holes in them was just a place where the blood wasn't as concentrated. So they were completely fucking wrong there. They just really needed to make you not want ecstasy. I mean, look... I, I mean, I get it. They're trying to steer people from doing drugs because they're illegal and stuff like that. But at least have the correct information. Well, not only that, think of the backlash afterwards. I think it's a reactionary thing where, you know, people sometimes want to do things, especially in adolescence, kind of have a knack for rebellion or wanting to do things that are a little bit, you know, counter to what they're told to do. But especially when you find out that something that you're doing is not actually going to harm you after they tell you something. So not only do you find that they were lying to you, you find out that you can do it and probably get off there than you thought you would. Yeah, I mean, so there was like a big push in the late... Oh, well, before I get to that, Greg actually has found the video that I was talking about. And he's going to put it in the show notes. So we'll have that there if you guys want to check it out. But there was a big problem in the late 90s, early 2000s, was there was all these advertisements about not doing MDMA. But they were just based off of such false information that it's hard to take them seriously nowadays. I mean, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but anyway... Uh, so there was also another um, myth that I found that MDMA drains your spinal fluid. And this also is complete bullshit. Now, the fun thing about this, though, is that uh, this is derived from a study that scientists did where they were um, looking at the breakdown of the serotonin in the spines of animals. Which well, you, you said spinal fluid. You yeah. Serotonin or spinal fluid? Uh, they're not the same thing? Nope. Okay. Well, this said, well, the myth comes from ser from spinal fluid, but they did the study on serotonin. Okay. So I think that, I think it was just one of those things that gets mixed up. Right. I, I've heard, and actually I believed until maybe in a few minutes that I, what I've heard is that if you do ecstasy, the way it works is that it actually like releases all the serotonin you currently have and does not enable reuptake. So it is all drained and you that's why a lot of people crash and feel like emotionless in the morning or just not even depressed or anything it's just they don't feel much at all so. nope i'll get into that actually that doesn't happen but that's so that's where the myth actually originated from is that they were doing s studies on animals seeing if it drained the serotonin in them and then people just like oh it drains your spinal fluid well hit me with a knowledge bomb well so basically 
MDMA itself, there really isn't, outside of a couple hours after you're taking it, like after you go through the process of taking the drug, it reacts with your body, and then you come down. After a couple hours after, after using it, there really isn't any lasting effects. And that isn't me saying that you should go do MDMA. The problem that comes with it is that there's a lot of stuff that's mixed with it. We already and, had the caveat well, there. But, that's, but there is the issue with taking these drugs is that you don't know what's in them. And a lot of them, people just like to, you know, they like to splice them. They, they like to take some of it out and sell more and fill in stuff, other things that they can get away with. Well, one of the things that I like to hear is that a lot of people say that, and this might be true, we haven't actually done the research on this, but MDMA or ecstasy, since it's in pill form, is sometimes cut with cocaine. From a drug dealer standpoint, they get the shit end of the stick if they do that. <laughs> I was going to say, that is not best, you're going to get like baby powder or laundry detergent cut with your ecstasy. Well, and I think that's part of the problem is that, so they don't make pure MDMA. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but most of the time, if you're buying ecstasy, molly, whatever it is, the MDMA that you're buying, MDMA, I'm sorry, that you're buying is usually not pure. So you don't know what's inside of it. And that's where a lot of these effects long down the road, that's where they come from is just putting all this stuff in your body. Now, actually, I forgot to add one little thing at the end of that. After you take the MDMA and you come off of it and then a couple hours later, as long as you don't take it often, there is no lasting effects. Okay. I mean, you, I mean, anything in excess is bad for you. I mean, that's as the saying goes. All right. Don't go to a Darude concert every weekend and you'll be good. Right. As long as you're not uh, going to a rave and party with glow sticks and stuff like that, you should be fine. Now, the other thing that I found was that if you take ecstasy, Molly, MDMA, it causes Parkinson's disease. That also is not true. This actually comes from... Michael the, J. Fox? Ryan. This actually comes from... <laughs> there's actually something called MPTP. And I think they just confuse the acronyms. And basically what MPTP does is that it causes... a it causes It's the same thing that causes a rapid onset of Parkinson's. But what it does is it freezes up... Uh, let me see if I got this correct. Yeah, it freezes up the neurons in your brain, which is the same thing that happens to you with Parkinson's. Oh. Yeah, which I didn't know that about Parkinson's. No, I didn't either. And But but uh, MTMP, that's what it does. So, um, oh, and the other thing is that much like marijuana, it is really hard to overdose on MDMA. What I have heard is that it's mainly a dehydration issue because, like, you're sweating and I'm getting around. into that. The, I was just going to say... Um, the LD so the LD fifty rate of MDMA is three hundred and fifty milligrams per kilogram. So it also takes a lot to kill you. Now it takes a lot more weed to kill you than it does MDMA. But the number one and number two problems associated with taking MDMA, number one is like you said dehydration. You know what the number two is? What? The opposite of that: drinking too much water, water intoxication. Really? Yep. So by not knowing enough. You, you dehydrate and die, or by knowing that you need more water, you drink too much of it and die. That's crazy. That is, that the, is like a cultural response that led to another problem. It's, That's it's really unfortunate. Yeah, I actually checked uh, into the DEA about this, and they even you say- You called them up? <laughs> well, I found an article that they wrote. But they even said, like, unfortunately, cultural appropriation tells you that you don't have enough water when you take MDMA, so people counteract that, and then they die. Huh. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So that was, that was my uh, my little bit about uh, MDMA and Molly and ecstasy and, and stuff like I that. And when I found MDMA, I have like some serious scientific papers in front of me right now. Um, so the there is definitely there is a um, with your cerebral spinal fluid there are, there is a concentration of serotonin. So I don't know what exactly it is, but the reason you're seeing the both of them is that there is something about serotonin and your um, your 
Spinal fluid. Spinal fluid. See, I thought there was a link, but I don't know as much sign. Yeah, I, I don't have enough time to read through all this, but there's you're not mixing it up. Is that there is some relation? But... I thought there was, but I'm also not confident in science yeah. stuff like that as Ryan is. So, like, I don't know as much science, shit, so I don't want to mess it, it might up. Might be affecting the serotonin levels in your spinal That's, fluid. Yeah. Which, from what I'm reading, there seems to be that seems to be part of it. And I'm so, guessing we didn't really clarify. The serotonin and dopamine are the two main components that are responsible for your happy feels. Yes. Yeah. And so based off that article, we'll have that in the show notes as well. And that is a big f*** you, Ryan. So, point for me. <laughs> yes, you sure showed him. <laughs> it, was a, it was a mix of things. So it was like a medium f*** you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> it was about a 5 out of 10. Yeah, I have a National Library Medicine article here. Cool, yeah. So we'll have that in the show notes if you guys want to check that out as well. So... That about wraps up ecstasy for me, Ryan. Um, do you have any other questions or anything? Yeah. Uh, no, I think we're good. Okay. That about covers it. All right. So here's where we start getting trippier and trippier. Oh, we're going to go into the myth of LSD flashbacks and LSD psychosis. So before we start on it, I want to make a correction on myself from, I think, episode four on sports. We talked about Doc Ellis uh, throwing a no-hitter. I was really curious to where you were going to like I was thinking like where did we talk about LSD in sports? No, but Doc that, Ellis apparently makes threw sense. a yeah. no-hitter on LSD. Yes, callback. And I said we would have to I think the quote was we're going to have to spinal tap that motherfucker. Well, it turns out that that doesn't even work. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, then. LSD is metabolized in the liver within 4 to 5 hours of ingestion and there is nothing to do with it being stored in your spinal cord. That's a good start off and a primer to what we're going to go into. So the rumor that you always hear is... Oh, so real quick. So LSD and MDMA are both believed to be in your spinal fluid, and neither one of them is. Yeah, apparently that's just like the scapegoat for everything. Okay, yeah. So you always hear this kind of myth about a lot of people taking too much LSD in the 60s or even today, and they end up in mental hospitals for a long time afterwards because they got that one bad batch. Or like from now on until like the day they die, they walk outside and the sky is black at all times or just crazy stuff. Like so many different things. I've read so many stories in researching this and I don't get where people are getting it from. It's crazy. I think it's like it's it's a panic thing. There was also something similar to Reefer Madness called Alice in Acid Land, and I actually did watch that, and it is insane. It's kind of like an anti-LSD type of deal. I have not heard of that. Yeah. So going into that, turns out that over 30 million people in the U.S. alone have, re- have reportedly tried psychedelics. And from 2001 to 2004, the National Survey on Drug Use and Health screened i think uh it was actually the numbers are 130,152 respondents of which of them 21,967 which is roughly around 13% said they had used psychedelics and during that study between 2001 and 2004 no direct correlation to psychedelic use and increased mental health risk was drawn hmm. so all these people said that they may have had you know maybe felt a little bit weird afterwards but nobody has gone insane from that. And there's like famous stories of like a certain woman that took some acid when she was 18 years old and she supposedly took 30 hits. And I guess in terms of drug slang, a hit is one dose of LSD. Usually it's on a piece of paper and then, you know, it goes and hits strips and paper and like an entire sheet. So it's one, 10, a hundred. She took 30 of the, she took 30 hits. Why? That's like she took 30 weeds. Why, why would she take 30 weeds? No, I don't know. She just, well, she took 30 LSDs. Okay. So apparently that was the big story was that she was mentally having all these sorts of visions and just for 
out years and years and years after she had long ago metabolized the LSD, she was still tripping. Like it was still going on. Oh God. Which is a terrifying story, honestly, but it's not true. It's not true. Oh, thank God. However, there is something called HPPD, which is called hallucinogenic persisting perception disorder, which is kind of like uh, the what would be the most analogous to flashbacks, where people have these like random hallucinations or just see like not even something big, just like, you know, walls moving or just like lights are brighter. Nothing extreme. It's just minor changes in perception that honestly don't bother people most of the time, but they happen. And so far, there has not been any direct correlation between taking a hallucinogen, whether it be LSD or mushrooms or any other thing of that sort, to a few days later having flashbacks. Sure, it does happen, but it's also happened to people that, once again, don't have any other mental disorders or anything like that and have reportedly not taken any hallucinogenics. Okay. So there's no real draw between those two. And this, they did a review of HPPD in 2002, and they looked at all the literature involving it since the 50s, and they found almost nothing. So once again, at most, it's kind of a, I want to say it is a half-true thing where, yeah, occasionally some people, depending on case by case, because nobody knows how hallucinogenics or any psychedelics are going to affect them if they take them. It's different for everybody. Right, yeah. Some people may see some things afterwards. Maybe it's just like, like suggestion, you know, power suggestion or something like that because they want to see something or they feel like they're going to see something because mm-hmm. they were told they would. It happens. But it doesn't happen to everybody. Like, it doesn't happen to most people. Well, the number one thing I heard as far as, like, flashbacks and stuff was that people would go over to Vietnam and then, you know, there was a big drug problem over there. And then when they would get back, that they blamed all of the flashbacks of the war on them taking hallucinogens such as LSD. Or PTSD. Right. But I was going to say, I think it has more to do with PTSD than it does with LSD. I guess we'll go ahead and put that little note in there is that this survey was done, from my understanding, on generally healthy people that didn't have any pre-existing conditions, like, for instance, PTSD. Because, I mean, uh, a car muffler being really loud can go off and then yeah. draw somebody into a flashback. Right, right. You can only imagine when it's like something so introspective as like a psychedelic that would make you face those type of things. Because once again, you don't know what's going to happen if you take a psychedelic. You could have a great trip or you could go through hell for eight hours. So, you know, it's one of those things. But on the paper right now. I'm sorry. Greg, I look over and there's yeah. there's boobs on the computer. So Al, Al, I was going to say, <laughs> Alice in Acidland is um, like... I just was like scrolling through on YouTube. It's like eighty percent porn. It's like it's not a porno. <laughs> I just look over oh, and I'm dude, like, Boobs. this movie is far is very not safe for work. It's it is not a porn. It's it's how a lot of artsy films in the sixties and seventies were basically uh, half softcore pornos. Nice. It's a Warhol advisory ad. Just so y'all know. Just so you know, if you decide to look this movie up, uh, not in porn. Yeah, be be prepared if you look up Alice in Acid Land. Nice big note. Yeah. <laughs> the message is if you take acid, you're going to get into a lot of sex parties. Okay. Oh and You no. don't want that. So do not take acid unless you want to get into a bunch of sex parties. And oh my god, I think I need to cut that. <laughs> yeah, um, I was going to say, eh, it's got to be gone. All right, I'll <laughs> happen at that. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll decide. We'll flip a coin on whether just I cut it or not. Just one giant bleed. Just <laughs> <laughs> rumor flies. The redacted series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Josh, let's get to your last topic. Yeah, the, so the last thing I'm going to talk about is one of these. I know I saw it on Family Guy. I don't know, and I'm sure like we've heard it before, but 
I remember like the most recent example was there was a Family Guy episode probably about 10 years ago where people were licking frogs and they were hallucinating off of it. They were getting high. Uh, I mean, have you heard that before, Ryan, Greg? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, it is true. You can actually do that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I believe they called it the toad. Great. Let's go in the swamps. So, well, that's the thing is I, I'm going to say I'm going to caveat like everything in this episode. I'm going to caveat this by saying much like mushrooms when it comes to frogs, not every single one of them will get you high. There are repercussions for everything that you do, and some of them can kill you. So be very careful if you're going to do it. Do it the right way. Like that's all, I'm not encouraging anyone to go lick a toad or a frog to get high, but if you do, make sure you're getting the right one. Make sure you have a good herpetology manual with you. Well, Actually, they wouldn't even fall into it. Frogs are amphibians. So there is a pamphlet you can get. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because it was written by a guy. Really? Yes. And he was part of the Church of the Toad of Light. Oh, my God. That is a real thing. I'm in. (laughs) He wrote wrote a pamphlet (laughs) about how to go the right way about extracting the, the, they called it secretions, from the frogs and to use it later on to trip balls. Uh, So the, the frog is called the Colorado River Toad. And it is between the skin and the poison. They contain 5-MeO-DMT and bufotenin. Bufotenin? Bufotenin. Bufotenin. I still screwed that up. I've been saying it for like 20 minutes. Bufotenin. So. I was like coaching him before. Damn this, it, so I, was I know. Like, just Bu- bufotenin. I have it spaced out and everything. So 5-MeO-DMT and bufotenin. Now, there's a specific way to do it, and it's called... Um, ext- extracting it but it well they called it milking it was the technical term but i believe that gives a very bad connotation does it involve just pissing the frog off no it involves scratching under the the frog's chin oh the exact opposite yes so that's why i wanted to say extracting it instead of milking it because you get a bad uh image so i'm so sorry to interrupt i i just i sat back and went who would be stupid enough to not only write an article about it probably try it i went colorado river toad vice Boom. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Vice.com. Please continue. So I, I didn't want to get into like how you would do it or anything like that. But I just there was the myth of could you lick a frog or a toad and actually get high from it? And the answer is yes. But if you do the wrong one, you could die. So, so don't do it. Yes. I feel like there's much easier ways to get high, too. Yeah. If you're really that determined... I'm sure there's another way, which I think you're about to get oh, into. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, are you done with that? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm done. This is that's quick and dirty. So I'm really curious to know what you're about to get into. All right. So yeah. I was talking to Josh and Greg earlier how I, I was kind of weird about doing this topic. And then after I researched it a little bit, I found out that this is everything this podcast was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that, that is... That's loaded, dude. <laughs> I, I would go. No, it's a, once I talk about the topic, you're like, I'm, that's what I'm going to say first. Why before what it is? So it's a rumor. It has some origins that got spread virally, and also it involves just people going insane on it, and it just becoming a mass panic for a little while. And it also is complete and utter bull, actually human shit. So oh, how long are you winding up that one? Yeah, how long? Yeah. Brian's <laughs> just tapping himself on the back right now. So, 
to round off the night, we are going Sorry. to talk about Jenkum. And if anybody is uninitiated about this, I learned about it from the Anarchist Cookbook, which we might do an episode on one day. That'd be fun. But Jenkum is a concoction of fermented feces and urine. Piss and sh**. Which, after they're fermented, thank you, Josh, for the layman's terms. <laughs> thank you for the rusty terms. There you go, Uncle Rusty. So, once these are fermented, you inhale the gas and you trip balls. It, and you can actually trip balls by doing this? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to get into this. So, the origins. We got these. Jenkum was first reported in the 1990s. It was known as to be a street drug by Zambian children and adolescents. It was named after... Uh, so, Jenkum is spelled J-E-N-K-E-M. It was named after, I guess, Genkum glue? Jenkum glue? It was a glue brand because apparently, since they couldn't get some nice drugs, they just huffed glue all day. And when they couldn't get the glue to huff, they decided to just, you know, take some sewer water, just put it in a bottle. And this is how they would do it. I'm going to give you the preparation real quick. So, kids, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. (laughs) They would take the feces and the urine, put it in an empty (laughs) Coca-Cola bottle, put a balloon on it, leave it out for a few days in the window near the hot sun, and let the gases collect in the balloon afterwards you would just take the balloon off, pin it, and just slam it down like helium, except your breath just smells like shit instead of talking like a little chipmunk afterwards. So I was just thinking, like, where did this idea develop? This was a good idea. Boredom. And nope, nope. I actually think I have a better idea. I just have a better image. And it's, uh, I can just imagine someone taking, like, a huge and then peeing and just being like, man, I feel really great right now. It must be all the fumes from this piss and shit together. And this is my new drug. Like you lose so much from your body that like you just get into like this euphoric state afterwards, or well, you just or you just pass out mid shit. Well, just as we've talked about before, it is possible to black out from shitting. Okay. Which they don't know about yet, but <laughs> it has happened. It may or may not have happened to me. But that's in the bonus when you're waiting for a new season to happen. But that that's something that's coming later on. So Zambian children decided to make this little nice poopy con- concoction. Poopy concoction. Okay. I see what you did there. I Oh, I just realized that's like a triple entendre I right got there. It. Oh my God. That's great. Okay. He's so fucking proud of himself right now. And there were a few reports by the BBC in like, I think 1999 and just throughout the nineties up until about 2000 or so when it started dying down. Then in 2007, the U.S. media had a resurgence of jump, of Jenkum scare. Like, it just straight up happened again. And why this happened is because... <laughs> is it ICP? No. It, the Insane Clown Posse is not involved in this one. So, this is where it just becomes like a goofy-ass ride. So, the Sheriff's Department of Collier County, Florida, posted a county advisory bulletin... With an entire, like, directions list and, like, showing a picture of, like, Jenkum being fermented. Like, three paragraphs describing what it is and warning about what it does. So, they basically gave them a how-to to to do it? Yeah, they gave them a how-to, how your kids are doing it. They gave them a how how your kids are making Jenkum, what it does, and why you should watch out because your kids are probably huffing their own shit. (laughs) Turns out that shortly after that bulletin was posted... They found out that the sheriff's department found this from a hoax posted on the Totsi internet forum by a user. And the user said, yeah, I just made that up. That was a joke. (laughs) But there was some deputy 
that probably was on that website after and was like, you know what, I'm going to get a leg up in this department. I'm going to go ahead and tell the sheriff about it, and he's going to post an advisory. I'm going to be a hero after this. I'm going to make sure those kids aren't huffing, pissing, shit, and didn't check anything else afterwards. So there's this whole bulletin. Like, I don't know, we may post it. You may not, you may see it in the time you see this episode, but we might do a teaser with, like, the actual advisory for Jenkum. It'd be great. So... Yeah, much like uh, with Oprah and MTV, it's better to be first than it is to be right. Exactly. And the deal is, that isn't even the end of it. Like, it keeps going. Jesus. <laughs> Turns out that just because that somebody admitted this is a hoax didn't matter. Somebody already said it, and just like a lot of things, if you say it first, it's the thing that gets heard the most. Unfortunately. So, a TV station in South Bend, Indiana caught wind of this. And made a whole little bit on this on the TV station and said that their parents, that parents should wait up for their children at night and not let them go to bed until they have seen them and smelled their breath. Oh, God. So, once again, it's, <sighs> it's just ramping up real quick. And then we get the cultural side of it afterwards, where it evolved as a term. Just as, you know, MDA became Molly, Marijuana's Mary Jane, Reefer and everything. Two TV stations in Jacksonville, Florida, which I guess are close to Collier County, in relativity to Indiana at least, they both did pieces on Jenkum, and they're actually conglomerates of Fox and I think CNBC. Both of them coined the new term for Jenkum. They said that uh, parents should watch out for their kids consuming Jenkum or the drug otherwise known in the street as butt hash. <laughs> I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> And there are videos online of the actual reporters saying butt hash in the most uncomfortable way possible. And I think it's great. It's oh, great. Fantastic. So instead of heavenly hash, you get butt hash. Yeah. It could be both depending on what you're into. That's hilarious. Okay. All right. So after we got the butt hash. It keeps going? Yes, it keeps going. Jesus. This is actually where it ends. I, I skipped a few lines, but this is where it ends, the most recent Jenkum development. In 2009, in... Yeah, exactly. Greg Greg's has watching the video. the video right now. <laughs> in 2009, in Bettendorf, Iowa, they amended a city ordinance on illegal uh, inhalants to include organic compounds. <laughs> Butthash. Which ended up being butthash. It's because of butthash. The law was actually changed because of this supposed hoax. Now, I'm going to say real quick, Zambian children may have been doing this. There were several articles on it. Doesn't mean it worked. So, okay. Jankum will not get you high as balls. So, people tried it. At most, you will get methane poisoning. What happens is, you may start like hallucinating or get high or whatever it's supposed to do. Because of, once again, hypoxia or anoxia, loss of oxygen to the brain, because you're filling it with just, you know, shit gas. <laughs> and <laughs> with that and methane, which, yes, is a byproduct of most fecal matter or even, I think, ammonia, too, in urine. So yeah, you're just, like, mixing tons of stuff in your head. Oh, God. So this is great. I just loved it. I thought I wouldn't want to cover this, but it is just too fucking wacky not to cover this thing. It, it, it's it's amazing. This is like my favorite not drug aside from banana dean, which we're gonna cover again one day. Uh, anyway, so that's Jenkum. But as a last note, real quick, 
I was looking at the Wikipedia article, and uh, I guess we're all going to get this out real quick. Yes, we look at Wikipedia sometimes, but we go to the other sources that are listed and make sure we're looking at good things. Even regardless, Wikipedia is still a good source sometimes. I will fight you on that. Greg will fight you on that. Yes, Josh will. will fight you on that. I will fight you We so don't care hard. which college you teach English at. We are going to use Wikipedia at first because it makes it faster and we can get to the actual sources. Deal with it. Yeah, people that, that argue that Wikipedia is not a use source, I'll let you use Encyclopedia Britannica, and we'll see who comes up with the answer first. And exactly. I just got a drug source on Wikipedia. Somebody edited the article while I was looking at it. And really? I swear to you, it was not me. You can check the back I was blog. just going to ask you. So they have the opening paragraph, which describes Jenkum in a nutshell. And the very last line on it is... Jenkum can be bought off me for $10 a bag. <laughs> At the very end of it before it goes into the history and origins of it. He really has it on there? Yeah. Uh, Greg, actually, yeah, wiki that right now. Just and wiki Jenkum. I just found one of the articles. And you can screenshot it. The Wikipedia article. Yes, you can screenshot it. So I guess uh, to kind of wrap all of this up. Yeah, check the last one. No, not line. just. That was on there when I found it. It could have been up forever. Uh, it's right before the history, he said. But just, just to kind of. paragraph. Just to wrap all of this up. Um, I'm glad to know that, um, Jenkum is a real thing. I've heard of it. I didn't know it was, it ran so rampant as it apparently it did, uh, as Ryan described it. So that was interesting. I can't really say that I'm surprised that somebody has tried it because, you know, there's the whole myth that, uh, if you want to get high, you can smoke catnip or whatever it is, or, you know, potpourri and whatnot. People try all kinds of weird shit to try to get high these days. So yeah, it was it was really interesting to find out that Jenkum was a real thing and it ran as rampant as it did. Yeah, I mean, once again, Zambian children may have done it. We don't know that for sure, but they certainly weren't getting high off of any gases from it. And for me, I'm glad that I actually looked up almost none of the things that you were covering because I learned a good bit today. Oh, this good. is learning as we were going. Uh, the ecstasy the thing, I had a lot of preconceived notions about it. I didn't believe in the holes. But in terms of the draining of serotonin, uh, I was all on board for that one. I didn't even question it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing that was interesting about mine was, like, I knew beforehand, I knew you couldn't overdose on MDMA, and I knew you couldn't overdose on weed. But actually getting a figure, and it puts it into perspective of how much it would take to overdose on weed, like, that's, that's fascinating. That requires a lot of effort and a lot of money as well. Way too much. Yeah. And as far as the not-your-grandpa's weed... I, that was one thing that I always just suspected and assumed it, assumed it to be true, but it's really cool that they did a study on it and you can actually see what what the numbers were, how it's nine times stronger nowadays. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's insane. So, uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, I think we are just about good, so I guess we'll go ahead and once again say, real quick, we're going to go ahead and plug the end of the episode song. Greg, that's you. Yes, um, this one's actually kind of a little different. So Callie Blake is a local New Orleans musician. Uh, my company, In-Depth Media, you've heard it referenced in the show. We had the pleasure of shooting a music video for her. It was a really cool experience. She's a really talented local musician. Really interesting music, and I don't mean that in the, oh, that was interesting, but like in the uh, interesting in that it's it's she's very creative, and it's good music. It's really fun to listen to. I know my business partner loved listening to it as we worked on it and said it's it's something that we've worked with a lot of musicians, very talented artists, so I can go on and on as I am. So this song is called High. It's the uh, H-I-G-H, which is very appropriate for this episode. Very relevant. And uh, she's, uh, we just released a video for that, and she has a new album coming out. By the time this episode drops, I think it'll still technically be in pre-sale, 
But uh, yeah, check out Callie Blake, C-A-L-I space, B-L-A-K-E. Very talented musician, loved working with her, and highly recommend you check out her music. And thank you for letting us use your song, Callie. Yes, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. So... I guess that about wraps things up. So, uh, so once again, we want your input. Give us some mail. Yeah, send send us some mail. Uh, we'll be glad to read it off. Uh, if not, send us a Facebook message. Uh, that's another way to get in touch with us. Uh, as always, we are at Rumorflies on Twitter, at Rumorflies on Instagram. You can contact us at Rumorflies at gmail.com. And Facebook.com slash Facebook. I was going to fucking get there. He was on a roll, dude. God damn it. Or, and if you don't want to remember any of that, you can just go to rumorfliespodcast.com and you can find us that way as well. Oh, don't forget Google+. Plus. Uh, we are also God, on Google+. I Plus. so much. Um, <laughs> and like we mentioned last time, we are good to go. So we are, we're on like iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. We're now on Google Play podcasts or that new thing it's like their new thing they're unveiling yeah they're, they're rolling they're out. rolling that out so we are if we're not somewhere and you want us to be there just send us an email and we'll try to do we'll try to get on there for you please 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 whether you like the show or not reviews help a lot um it tells us what people do and don't like and it also just it to be honest five star reviews and just reviews in general bump us up on itunes and make a big difference so if you're a big supporter of the show take two or three seconds we would love to get some reviews and just get that feedback in general, no matter the nature of it. Yeah, and it seems so far the best way to do it is through iTunes. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm Team Android, and I know Josh is too, but you know, you got to do your part on iTunes, I guess. They're yeah. the ones that invented the podcast. So, <laughs> so I think that about wraps it up. So uh, we'll see you guys next time. And finally, I'm Josh. I'm Ryan, and I'm Greg. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. And I drag your heart Across the chain link fence and light a fire And when I breathe you in That's how it all begins No matter how much I try I get Exhale them, I wanted to breathe